Another pretty jam-packed show, talking a little bit of everything today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is you decide to make Big Sky Sports Talk a part of your day. My family and I greatly appreciate it. You have found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the coverage of the four major franchises of one major market, and that's Phoenix, Arizona. We do things a little bit differently. We do it from Big Sky Country, Billings, Montana. We also cover ASU football, ASU basketball to go along with it, and all presented by the unofficial presenting sponsor of Mooyah Billings. Oh, my goodness. Uh... Happy Thursday. Uh, much needed day off for me. Back-to-back days where I'm working uh, some overtime. 8.30 yesterday, 7.30 today. Or, excuse me, not predicting the future. I'm, I am a little tired. I'm trying to give the, the best I got for today. I'm sorry if I sound sluggish. Uh, uh, 8.30 on... Uh, Tuesday um, and yesterday to 7.30. So uh, a lot uh, going on as it pertains to work and the reason for me being pretty tired. Um, but uh, today's day off should be should be pretty good. So happy Thursday to you. Um, we are... Um, on our way to the weekend one more day and it is here and then um about uh, a week from today uh, my sister my mom and i will be headed to kalispell for canvas conference powered up is the title so i'm i'm excited for that that'll be a week from uh today so yeah um a lot of a lot of good things going on in, in life and a lot of things for uh for me to be excited about um uh, a lot to get to uh today um for today's show um, we have uh, Diamondbacks, courtesy of uh, dbacks.com. azcardinals.com gives us uh, Jonathan Gannon, um, Josh Dobbs, Paris Johnson Jr., uh, Cameron Thomas, and newcomer Roy Lopez. Uh, just uh, adding to that defensive line room um, that, that is... Uh, decimated by injury um and they all spoke to the media yesterday and then um with kyla murray possibly on on the return on the horizon uh we talk about should he feel threatened by josh dobbs and uh dan and vince talk about that on arizona sports so arizona sports youtube page will uh give us that conversation um Sun Devil Source gives us Kenny Dillingham, and then we got uh, some Suns news to uh, to talk about as well, and uh, that's via um, Fun24H um, is the YouTube uh, uh, page that I uh, ripped this from. It's uh, ESPN 
uh, Sports Center is is where he ripped it from, um, or just recorded from his TV or whatever, and uploaded it onto his YouTube page. But anyway, um, I guess give both of them the uh, credit, and then Arizona Sports um, gives their thoughts on uh, um, regarding uh, said news for uh, the Phoenix Suns. Um, but if you've been following along, you already know what the news is. Well, not just following on me, but, you know, obviously you've probably got the ESPN update, but um, Suns fans that follow this show are not shocked or surprised about it either. Um because of because of Arizona sports, uh, and what I what sound I used to rip from them earlier this week, we already know. So there should be no shock. That's the advantage you get with either a listening to ninety eight seven FM or b knowing that I'm going to rip sound from them often and uh, uh, put it on my show. You either listening to them or or myself. So. That that's the advantage you get, um, but that's the hit sound credits for today's show. Um, I think that's been it. We'll uh, start with the uh, Diamondbacks uh, up next, and uh, start with them first on Big Sky Sports Talk. Muya Burgers, Fries, Shakes, and Billings is the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. There are several Muya locations throughout the United States and a couple of locations internationally. Let's start out with the food. The burgers are fantastic. They have burgers for every lifestyle, vegan, keto, low calorie, as well as gluten-free. My personal favorite is the cheddar bacon barbecue burger. Their fries are always fresh, and don't forget about the Muya sauce. You can get a shake to go along with it. Though the food is good... I always leave satisfied, but their customer service is at the top. Rico, he's the general manager of Muya Billings. He and his staff are top-notch. They are located at 2695 King Avenue West in Billings, Montana. So go see my guy Rico. He'll hook you up and tell him I sent you. Muya Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. A three-run shutout takes down the White Sox and wins the series already for the Diamondbacks and hopefully uh, today a sweep. Um, Brandon Fott was uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, five and two-thirds, five hits, no earned runs, uh, eight strikeouts, 5.72 ERA, Frias. Um, a third of an inning, zeros across the board, 3.95 ERA. South Frank, still perfect. An inning, giving up one hit, two uh, strikeouts. Um, Thompson, one inning, giving up a hit with also two strikeouts, 3.94 ERA. And Seawald gets the save um, and closes it down, one inning, one hit. Uh, zero earned runs, zero walks, two strikeouts as well, 3.12 ERA. Corbin Carroll, one for four, 
Quintel Marte 0 for 3. Tommy Pham has a DH 1 for 3. Christian Walker 0 for 4. Alec Thomas 1 for 4. Gabby Moreno 0 for 3. Jake McCarthy 0 for 3. Chase Peterson 1 for 2. And Perdomo 0 for 1. Um, it was a uh, Corbin Carroll double that scored um, Perdomo and Peterson in the third, and then Fam that uh, singled to left that scored uh, Corbin Carroll. Um, Diamondbacks three runs on four hits, no errors, and the White Sox zero runs on uh, eight hits, and also no errors. Seawald with the save, Brandon fought with the win, and here is how this one went down. Sox are 60 and 97. The Diamondbacks 83 and 74 currently holding a wild card spot in the National League. A comeback 15 to 4 win for the D-backs last night has put them in a pretty good position. Luis Patino going to the mound. This is his first start of the year. As you can see, command is an issue. 17 innings, 12 walks. He's got to clean that up. And you have to be aware with the Diamondbacks, if you walk them, especially if you walk their base runners, they're going to steal at will because that's what this team does. Changeup and a very good one. First strikeout for Patino is the first out of the ballgame. Second baseman Cattell Marte, who homered last night, homer number 25 for his season. Tagged to second, and Remillard up the ladder for a nifty out number two. Zach Remillard with a nice play at second base. Wow, that was indeed a nice play. That almost ripped his glove off. On the ground, a shortstop. And that is that. D-backs go one, two, three. Here come the Sox bats. In the bottom of the first, nothing, nothing. We go to the bottom of the first inning. Arizona nothing. And the White Sox taking their swings against Brandon Fott. Swing and a miss. Oh, he pulled the string on Andrews. And the shortstop is down on strikes. That's well struck out to left field. Corbin Carroll's in front of the warning track, and he's got it for out number two. A quick out that Fott needed. And there's two down. There's a swing and a weak comebacker to the mound. Easy play for Fott as he gloves and tosses to first. That is in time, and the inning is over. One, two, three, go the White Sox in the first. Eloy Jimenez leads off for the White Sox to begin the bottom of the second inning. But Jimenez with a long home run in the first inning yesterday. Backs up Peterson at third. Strong throw, and they get Jimenez four up, four down. This is lined to center. Alec is out there, backpedaling, and he's got it. Just shy of the warning track. That was smoked off the bat of Sheets, but it's two outs in the second. Swing and a miss. And Perez down on strikes. And the inning is over. So both pitchers dialed in. Six up and six down for each side. We go into the third. No score. White Sox and D-backs. Here is Jace Peterson, third baseman. Peterson fists it out to shallow center. Off the glove of Andrews. And it drops in front of Thompson out there. And that's on the board as a base hit. Here is Perdomo, one on, one out. And there's ball four, so a couple of one-out base runners now for Corbin Carroll. Corbin getting an opportunity now with a runner in scoring position. And Corbin finds a gap. Here we go. Peterson's going to come around and score. Let's see how fast Perdomo can run. Here comes Geraldo. Corbin Carroll with a two-run double. And it's 2 nothing Diamondbacks. And Carroll 
Gives Arizona the lead on a two-run double. Now Marte. That gets behind Perez, and Corbin's in at third. The changeup spiked by Patino. Another patient at bat there for Cattell. Takes the walk. Second walk in this inning for Patino. Here is Pham now, first and third one out. Tommy swings 3-0 and lines it right by Sosa at third. Corbin scores. RBI single for Tommy Pham and a 3-0 D-backs lead. Fott has himself a three-run cushion to work with. And now two on, one out. And the top of the order at Andrews. Shallow center. Thomas coming in now on a dead run. Here comes Alec. Long way to go, and he finally did get to the spot. Well, this will be a good test for Fott facing Benatendi, who really displayed some prowess hitting the ball to the opposite field last night. Two on, two out. The 3-2 on the way. And a swing and a miss. He went with a sweeper, and Benatendi swung right over the top of it, and the inning is over. So the White Sox get a couple of hits, but they do not score. On to the bottom of the fifth we go. Still Diamondbacks three, White Sox nothing. Brandon Fott looking good here at about the halfway point. Swing and a miss. He struck him out, and the inning is over. The White Sox, they get a hit. They strand one onto the sixth. It is 3-0 Diamondbacks. And we mentioned needing some length from Fott, and I mean, he's been everything that they could want and more. First pitch out there is huge as he's pitching into the sixth inning now. In the air left field to the alleyway and down off the wall for Andrew Vaughn. That is a one-out double just like Jimenez had in the fourth. Picked up by Fott. He's going to fire behind Vaughn, who got back the second in time. For some reason, with one out, Fott decided that Vaughn, about 20 feet off second, was a target. He had an easy out at first, so that's kind of a rookie mistake. Two on for Sheets. And a really nice breaking ball is strike three. That's eight strikeouts for Fought. So that probably is going to be it, as Fought has done quite a job leaving two on with two outs. And for the second consecutive start, he has punched out eight. A terrific job today by Brandon Fought, but still responsible for two runners as Frias comes in. Perez high fly ball into left field should end the inning Carroll now coming in makes the catch and that does it for the White Sox in the sixth one pitch one out for Frias Emmanuel Rivera who hit for Chase Peterson takes over at third behind the right hander Ryan Thompson on to start the bottom of the eighth inning and Ryan over his first 10 D backs appearances since he was picked up from Tampa Bay had worked 10 scoreless innings and given up only two hits but he hit his first speed bump at Yankee Stadium Monday got tagged for that game tying Homer in the seventh inning. He'll get two three and four some big outs to get with a three nothing lead and Intendi Vaughn and Jimenez Thompson collects that one. And Benintendi is retired. Well he used every inch of his height right there to make that play two more big outs to get. There are three and four hitters. It's Vaughn and Jimenez. Vaughn doubled his last time up. He's one for three. Swing and a miss on a big sweeping slider from Thompson. And Vaughn strikes out. 2-2 two -two is punched over to second. Tough play. Marte's got it. But no chance for Cattell there. And Jimenez has the infield hit. Swing and a miss. And down on strikes is Sheets. White Sox strand one. And we go into the ninth. It is the Diamondbacks three and the White Sox nothing. Back with you from Guaranteed Rate Field. Diamondbacks and the White Sox a three nothing lead in the ninth inning and the game is in Paul Seawald's hands now. 64 appearances between the D-backs and the Mariners. I mean Sosa last man standing for Chicago. He singled off Saul Frank his last time up. And that's a base hit. McCarthy over to cut it off. He can't. It gets to the wall and Sosa gets to second. 
And he earned that two out double. And we're not done yet in Chicago. And once again, he's a strike away. Got him. Paul Seawald shuts the door. Diamondbacks 3 nothing winners. They've taken the first two in Chicago. They have won 8 of 10, and they get to 10 games over 500. Boy, just a strong outing by Brandon Fott and the bullpen. The fantastic job for them, a much-needed win. They got it early in the afternoon. Should be um, a bullpen game uh, today um, because Bryce Jarvis will uh, start for the D-backs today, this afternoon. And uh, um, he he's been pretty sharp. I, I'm I'm imagining he'll go uh, maybe three or four innings, um, just kind of like uh, starting, but more so in long relief. Uh, as it pertains to the wild card, um, I don't think there was anybody. Uh, eliminated, but there has been a change. Um, the Cubs are no longer in that third wild card spot. Uh, they are tied with Miami, uh, but Miami has the tiebreaker. Um, Cincinnati is still um, on the outside looking in uh, with one and a half back, and then uh, San Diego is three and a half back. Um, with four games left. So um, a Cincinnati win or a San Diego loss or what, what have you, combination of a couple of different things, San Diego will be eliminated. Um, and uh, th this one will looks like it will go down uh, to the wire. As soon as... Um, Cincinnati is, you know, two games back, which will be um, by, uh, you know, the weekend, really. Um, of course, well, the, the, I mean, this, <laughs> this season is done by this weekend anyway, but um, possibly by Friday, maybe Saturday. The season's done on Sunday, so I'm thinking maybe maybe Friday, um, just about everybody will will know where they stand. I, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and make you know call my shot and say in both National and American League, everybody will will know where they stand. Um, but anyway, um, last but not least is Diamondbacks news, and the reason why the for a bullpen game is because Zach Davies has been uh, DFA'd, designated for assignment, um, a little bit uh, too late, probably should have happened earlier, um, but we know that we, you know, we won't have to worry about him screwing anything up um, in in the playoffs, assuming. You know, assuming the Diamondbacks, you know, don't fall on their face between today and, you know, get swept um, by the uh, Astros, um, then, uh, you know, it will be, uh, it won't be an issue. Um, but other than that, I kind of really like where the Diamondbacks are pitching. I would have liked them to have another. Super strong starting arm 
that they can take with them to the uh, to the playoffs. Um, but right now they pretty much have who they have. Um, and uh, um, but you know, and no offense to uh, Zach or Zach Davies' family, his parents, Mister and Mrs. Davies, but um, I am thankful that he will not be on that uh, playoff roster. That that is uh, uh, a good move by the Diamondbacks, but uh, a little a little too late. You'd like to have it done earlier than than now. But uh, that's everything. Um, D-backs will get into uh, Cardinals, which will be the bulk of our show, mainly because of uh, uh, the sound we'll be using. But anyway, that is up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. Quite a few uh, Cardinals members uh, spoke to the media uh, yesterday. Jonathan Gannon was one of them, um, as well as uh, Josh Dobbs, Paris Johnson Jr., Cameron Thomas, and then the newcomer, cumber, newcomer, um, Roy Lopez, that will uh, fill in that depleted defensive uh, line, that defensive tackle room that, you know, everybody... Uh, keeps on talking to um, uh, Nick Rollis about the, you know, he says he would like to have some fresh bodies, but unfortunately they don't really have a whole lot of bodies to um, that are fresh to sub in and out to kind of keep that fresh. So Roy Lopez adds to that. Um, here is uh, JG uh, from yesterday. Yeah, awesome. I mean, obviously a huge – I wish I would have known that. Um, it's my fault because I don't check emails, but I wish I would have known that before the team meeting because I, I would have announced that. But um, obviously he's, you know, one of our best players, and uh, it's cool for him to get recognized. And, uh, you know, everyone knows there's a huge reason why we won that game. Obviously they're talking about – and I forgot to even mention it, so that's my bad. Uh, Matt Prater makes a special teams player of the week. Um and much deserved 62 yarder the consistency um that Prater brings it's well well deserved. Yesterday, understandably, Prater is confident, especially with the conditions being inside, that he can make that kick. It's still pretty far. So, what's yeah, the decision making process for you of yeah. what you're you know trying that? Anytime it's longer than like a 56 wedge for me, I get a little worried, but. Uh, um, yeah, I have complete confidence in him. I've seen him doing it in practice. So, like, when, when Jeff says to me, hey, the line is this, I've seen the line. So I feel good about that, you know. And knowing that, you know, the, the, obviously that type of field goal, that long of field goal, the, the percentage goes down. But I see him doing it in practice. So, I, you know, you can have can go a couple different ways at the end of the half, how you want to try to score some points. And that's what we felt was the best way. And he banged it through there. So... Um, I have obviously complete confidence in that protection unit, um, the the snap, the hold, and him banging it through. So we'll continue to utilize him as a weapon. Did you see any of the Josh Dobbs video social media about him trying to find a jersey and he couldn't and he went back and got one? Did you see any of that? No. Kind of funny videos, but him looking through. Yeah. No. 
all my – does he have his jersey in his locker on game day? That's all I'm concerned about. <laughs> What was your thought when the ball came off? Of the foot? I thought it had a chance. Thought it had a chance. It, it. I mean, like when you hear him hit it out there, like it's it's different than I've heard. I mean, I've been around some good kickers, but I mean, it it jumps off his foot, and uh, I know he said I think he hit it a little dead-ish. You know, I knew it was you got to line drive that for that far away. Um, that'd be like a knockdown fifty-two for me, I guess. But. Um, for you golf fans. But, uh, yeah, I thought it came off good, and I thought that, you know, I kind of looked, and I was like, okay, it's got a chance. And then it did clear. But it cleared by a decent amount. So, um, yeah, great play, great way to end the half. Marco was very critical of his performance after the Giants game, and then he took a, a little bit of a leap in this game against the Cowboys. As a head coach, how much do you appreciate when guys are as critical of themselves when they watch the film back? And what do you think that says about their football character? Yeah, Zach, that's a good question. I, I think, um, you know, he he is a very prideful guy. We got a lot of prideful guys in that locker room. And when you don't coach or play up to what you think is um, your standard or you feel like, you know, I feel this way at times, like I let the team down, that's a kind of a bad feeling. So you want to be able to erase that feeling. But it's how you go about your business the next day, the next week. How do you learn from it? Um, and try to make sure that it doesn't happen. But, you know, the position that he plays is a premier position for a reason. Like, he's on an island. Um, we don't give him a lot of help. And we he, that's a tall order for him, you know. And I always tell people, like, the three technique gets reached and it's a 10-yard gain, no one knows a thing. But when the corner gives up a touchdown, every, he's on ESPN. So that's uh, he's, he's very mentally tough. He's resilient. I thought he played well. Um, he's doing a good job for us. What do you know about Roy Lopez and what do you think he to that? Yeah, quick, instinctive, has striking ability, smart. Um, so I'm excited to get him out here today and get him going. Can he make a – can he play right away? I mean, we'll see. We've got to go through the week, you know what I mean? So, um, but, yeah, I got uh, high hopes for him. And uh, he was awesome in the meeting today. He, he conceptually understands what's going on, you know, playing a little different system that he's played in coming here. But, uh, yeah, I, I like his skill set and I like his brain. Uh, obviously, James is off to a fantastic yeah. start. I'm wondering, when you're looking at Keontae and, and Amari, how, how are you kind of evaluating them right now? It seems like it's taking them a little bit longer. To yeah, play. they'll get their touches. You know, the the game plan it it's that's it gets to, the ball gets distributed different ways by game plan. You know what I mean? And and then you have the um, you have to be able to adapt in game of what's going on too. So. We kind of talk about that as we set up the plan, you know, number of plays, how many carries, how many, you know, all those things. But I think Keontae and Amari are doing a good job with their role right now. Um, they'll continue to play for us. And in some games you'll see those numbers will tick up and some games they'll be where they've been. But, you know, with James playing at such a high level, um, I, you know, I told you guys the run game is going to go through him. And um, with knowing that it's a 17-game season, we got to be smart with that and things like that. And we want to see those other guys play as well. But uh, I like, you know, how it's being deployed right now. I feel comfortable with their numbers, where they're at. And all of those guys are doing a good job to try to improve their game. Do you have a number of explosives that you want to hit every game? Um, it, sometimes the game plan dictates, so I don't always, like, hey, this is a, a key statistic. They know it's a winning stat. Um, around the league and for us. 
Um, but I don't, you know, put a cap on it or make because you don't, you know, you can you can go the other way too. You can play a, a style of defense that, yeah, you could hit that number, but other parts of that area are going to suffer. You know, other parts of your game are going to suffer, and that might not be the winning stat as far as that's a key fundamental of all three phases. But to win the game, it it, had, it might be a little more of a blend. You know what I mean? Other times where. You know, to win the game, we're okay, you know, giving up five, six a pop, but we can't get the ball thrown over our head. That's okay, too, you know. So I think it changes. That's a good question, Josh. It changes every week, but we have to coach that. Our players have to understand that the ball and explosives are winning stats. Look around the league. So you're all right, uh, Howard. But, um, you know, I, I think our offense is doing a good job with it. I think we how we deem those plays, we're one in the NFL right now in explosive runs. We're in the top 10 in explosive plays. Um, our defense, uh, we need to get a little bit better because we're not where we need to be, in my opinion, with that. And really, they saw like a, you know, a little lack of coaching detail from us, um, a little bit of execution and playing. One half of football, you go from in the middle half to you know in the top third there to the bottom third. That's what it is. So, um, and that was a reason that we lost that game. So. Um, and then looking at San Francisco, they are—they don't give up explosives, and they generate explosives one and one in the league. So they know what we need to get done to try to stay in the ball game, give ourselves a chance to win. Go ahead, Howard. Sorry, sorry. Back, back to the field goal for a second. How crucial was it? Not a whole lot of time left just for the offense to get even in position to try. That. Huge. I mean, I think we talked about it. Like the defense, that that whole last two minutes of that was was really good by all three phases. If you look at it, you know, we got the stop. They had a penalty, stopped the clock. I had timeout. So like, you don't think about it, but like if you got to burn a timeout for um, operation in the first quarter, no big deal. Well, until you need them. So, you know, I always am aware of, you know, there are certain times where Drew will say, we're getting close, are we okay, Drew? Don't worry about it. if we got to take the five, take the five here in the first quarter. And you don't want to do that. But timeouts in the last two minutes of each half are critical, typically. And so, but, so we didn't have to use some timeouts. They had a couple incomplete passes. They had a penalty. The clock stopped. We get it to third and long, get off the field, bang the timeout. Dorch has an explosive return. Uh, we have they have a couple penalties on defense. We throw a couple. You know, Rondell made that unbelievable play that got tipped, um, and then get it to, you know, you need six, five, four to eight, ten yards. You got a timeout. You don't have a lot of time, but that's one of our situations that we talk about. That we talked about on Saturday morning. If this happens, here's your things that you're going to get that we're going to call. We called it. You would have liked to get a couple more there to not stretch the leather with that, but we knew that was kind of the range for at that point in time. Jeff and Matt felt good about where the line was at, and you know you look at it; those three points going up eleven going into halftime. That that's a that's a big swing. So I was proud of all three phases, coaches and players, um, to make sure that we got that done because that was high execution on all three sides. Explosives with the Niners. What else jumps off the film? How they generate them, um, and it's it's really on, on offensive on offense. They got guys on in every group um, that are really really good with the ball in their hands. The schematics of how they play the game, they get the guys uh, the ball in space a lot of the times. Purdy plays at a very high level, like where 
you know, an explosive, it's a, it's a little thing, but because the ball's on time and it's a, now it becomes a catch and a run, not a bang-bang, a catch that goes for 10 and now goes for 20 because it's on time in rhythm and the DB's not connected, you don't have color on color, that plays into that too. Obviously, the scheme is probably the best in the world, truthfully. Um, defensively, you know, they got star power on all three levels. Um, their D-line train wrecks the game. Uh, they got linebackers that flow fast. They can take the ball away. They're good in coverage, and they got a back end that plays connected with star power. So that's a you know that's a reason they're three and zero. It's a reason they're one of the better. You know I don't you know what we'll see what happens, but I mean this our team knows very well the challenge that lies ahead on Sunday. Purdy taking care of the ball so well is that something where you're like we want to change that or would you look at different? Yeah, I think that I think it's two things that go into that. I think it's coaching and playing. From the coaching part of it, you can tell Kyle knows how to coach the quarterback. Like he doesn't put the ball at harm's risk. He knows where to go with the ball. He knows the stresses of the coverages, and that's where he delivers the ball. And then with Brock, he plays the game extremely fast. So he's not late trying to throw it through windows. He throws it through the correct window. You know what I mean? Ball comes out time. That's what I mean by timing and rhythm, um, which you got to get on people. And they have guys, they scheme guys up with the run and pass game. There's a lot of guys running open, which at times, depending on what coverage structures you're playing, that can happen. Um, but uh, so we got we got our we got to work cut out for us. Have you seen any major changes from the last time you played them? Um, you know, I not not a ton, but it's a different team. You know what I mean? It's a different team and it's a different time of year. You know what I mean? A team looks different in January than they do in, in October here or September, whatever we're in. So, but they're, um, they're, they're a good for the, the, the thing that is consistent is what I just talked about. They're a good football team. That's a good deep dive into the 49ers, you know, and in, in the, even the average fan can, see and and even understand uh most if not all of that 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 you know it sure looks and seems like that this the scheme that they run offensively is you know as jg put it you know best in the world truthfully is what he said um it's it's pretty solid i mean i always find myself like you know take a guy like Debo Samuel, I'm like, man, why isn't more teams in uh you know finding guys like Debo Samuel? And he, you know, he's not necessarily a once in a generation wide receiver. It's really a lot, you know, his talent is is good, but you know, it's really a lot of that is you know, on obviously, of course, execution, but uh Kyle's uh scheme is you know top notch and he knows how to get guys in in space and you know Brandon Ayuk former ASU Sun Devil wide receiver is coming into his own um Brock Purdy of course playing lights out um you know, Christian McCaffrey, great, great back, has done some phenomenal things there. Arguably better th- there in just the year and a half or so 
than his whole time in um in uh, Carolina. Um just just all of that is you know very very complimentary, you know, from the quarterbacks to the wide receivers, you know, uh Kittle, tight end, you know, uh, just all of that. Kyle Yuschek, uh even though you don't see him a lot, you know, he's doing more blocking stuff, but it's just, you know, they got a really good thing going on over there. And the way JG breaks it all down is, is, is solid. And, you know, it's just a great deep dive and, uh, Cardinals have their work cut out for them. And, you know, I, I, I really don't know what you do and where you focus. Um, you know, and they can be beat. They have been, just not this year. Um, so uh, that that it's a tall order and a tall task. Uh, Zavin, I think, is good to go. He's got to wear a dark visor so he doesn't get nicked. You know, he got poked in the eye, and uh, we got to evaluate Chris throughout the week here. Where is uh, Garrett? Excuse me. Where is Garrett Williams? His recovery. He's, yeah, we'll see. We got to make that decision collectively with all our guys, like I said. But he's doing a really good job. He's he's um, has advanced some things that he needs to be able to do. I think that um, in the last you know couple weeks here, I, I like where he's trending. But um, that's a case by case, day by day basis, and we'll make those decisions when we need to. But um, I like where he's where he's trending right now. Do you plan to activate Kyler off the pump on Monday? What is it? Why would I tell you that, Bob? Come on, Bob. Come on, Bob. Uh, I was kind of joking, but I'm not going to tell you. Um, no, we, I, we will activate him when he's ready to go practice. That's what we'll do. San Francisco's core skill personnel hasn't really changed over the last yeah. couple of years. Does that give you any sort of, I don't say advantage, does that help you scout them? No, I think that gives them an advantage because, you know, even with the new quarterback coming in, those guys, if you look at their kind of Debo and Ayuk and McCaffrey and Juice and, you know, the O-line, you know, they have some a little bit of movement with the O-line, but consistency of playing with each other for an extended period of time helps, you know what I mean? And that's why what you see is, is, they play extremely fast. When the ball is snapped, they play faster than the opponent typically. And that's what I mean. That's one of the challenges for us. We got to get lined up. We got to know what we're doing. Um, they make you play in a way that you can't junk it up. You can't have in a bunch of new calls or you will get gas. So you got to play your staples. You got to be sound and you got to tackle. Getting lined up. I know we've asked you about Kaiser before, but it seems like that's been maybe an underrated part of having him call the defense. It doesn't seem like you guys are getting lined up last minute, or it seems like everyone's on the yeah, same Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, Dan. I got mad at Nick because I thought a call was late uh, last game that we were not. You know, I when when the offense breaks the huddle, I want the defense to have eleven sets of eyes on the offense. You know what I mean? And then you have to then make your adjustments predicated on what they give you. So, but Kaiser is a very quick thinker. Um, he understands, you know, the non-negotiables of you have to make these calls. If you don't love this, then you don't make it. So we don't put us at, you know, kind of frantic, you know. And um, I thought that, you know, he's he's doing a really good job with that. He studies. You gotta, you gotta. We put a lot on his plate. You gotta study and be about ball to do that. Like you gotta be on all the time. After the game, Mike McCarthy was talking about the penalties and how 
he wasn't surprised because of that crew and how he had prepared the team. Do you guys prepare for what the officiating crew is going to be? And if so, how important do you think that is? It's very important for your players to understand of what the trends are of the, the crew that's calling the game. Uh, we educate our guys. We show plays from the crews that are calling. Hey, this is where they're high. This is where they're low. This is where they rank. Uh, this is how this plays into the game. Yeah, we educate our guys on that. You got to be, you know, mentally, physically, and emotionally sharp. You know, because they're going to make their plays. You know what I mean? They're going to hit you in the mouth, and you got to be able to respond. But um, alignment, assignment, key technique is one of our principles of defense, and you got to do that faster than they do that than they do that on offense. So, um, critical component to the game of playing them well. Um, you know, started on Monday, it continued on Tuesday. Today we get on the grass, and you got four days on the grass. You know, five, six days of meetings, and then you go let it rip. Let it rip. That's one of his staples. Uh, Josh Dobbs uh, spoke to the media as well. When you look at the 49ers defense, and especially that front seven, and you're going to be staring at across the line of scrimmage, what comes to mind? They're really good, man. Um, it's either high-paid guys or first-round draft picks over there. They're really talented, and they've played a lot of football together. Um, similar to what the last three weeks, right? We got we keep getting defenses that have uh, played a lot of football together. Um, they play a really good scheme. They know what they're doing. Um, they're fast. Um, and they have really good players. So, you know, the onus is on us, again, as an offense, to, you know, match their intensity, match their talent with our talent and execution, and go out and still play good football. You know, two games past your career high for starts. Does it does anything change? Like, are you, are there things you're learning about this as you go? Like, what's that like for you? Yeah, things are, things change per se, but um, I think uh, for me, you know, I stay consistent to my process. You know, through it all, obviously, you know, now there's more strain on your body, you know, more reps that you're getting in game and in practice. So you're always learning to refine your process of preparation mentally and physically of what you're doing. But outside that, you know, I stay true to my process, stay true to uh, my preparation, my routine, um, acknowledge the result. You know, we talked about, you know, we're in a result business. You know, we acknowledge the result of last week and the past couple of weeks and continue to find ways to play really good football and be prepared every single Sunday. It's been good, you know, I think, as I said, it's an opportunity game. And when you get these opportunities, you have to make the most of them. You know, for me personally, obviously, but for other guys out there that are, you know, working hard and, and waiting for, those, for their opportunities. So, yeah, it, it means a lot for me to go out and perform and take advantage of the opportunity and continue to do that. And um, hope my story to other players around the league who are out there working, whether they're on practice squad or they're a backup or they're waiting to get signed by a team, you know, you're always working for that next opportunity because, you know, it could happen at a drop of a hat. It could happen tomorrow. You just never know. But when it happens, you know, you better be ready to take advantage of it. I think the key is to continuing your hot starts uh, the last two weeks. You guys have put up 21, 20 points in the first half. 
How can you continue that against a stout defense? Yeah, just keep playing good football, executing, playing at a high level, staying ahead of the chains, right? Being efficient on first and second down. Um, you know, we keep doing that. We'll keep playing really good football. You know, just being able to come out, start those games, obviously very well, helps our defense, helps our offense get into a rhythm. And so um, just staying focused in our preparation, you know, not taking things for granted. You know, I think so many times, excuse me, like complacency is always the, the enemy of progress. And so many times, you know, when you've had success, you can become complacent. You know, you'd be like, okay, like we've done it in the past, we'll do it. Well, the only way to do that is keep doing what you've done in the past and preparing to go out, start those games fast, locking in on the game plan, executing just little things and walk through because it all translates to Sunday. So, um, you know, for me as quarterback, you know, I signed the leader of the ship, just staying on my guys, the team, uh, and continually locking into those little details because they help us on Sundays. What would you like to be able to use uh, Rondell in a variety of ways? And how, how special how could those forthcoming opportunities be between each other? Man, as, we, as, we, as I saw from afar when he was in college at Purdue and then obviously here, um, as I saw, you know, in person on Sunday, he's a playmaker. And getting the ball in his hands, um, he, he he's dynamic with the football. And so he's a big part of our offense in that. And the more ways we we can get the ball in his hand, the more way I can get the ball in his hands as the quarterback, get him in space and take advantage of his matchup across the field. You know, it only helps our offense go. Being where your feet are and knowing that you might not be the starter at some point this season, how do you stay, how, how do you kind of stay where you are? How do you stay in that moment knowing that this all might end? Yeah, you know, I just don't look ahead. You know, I, I don't look ahead at all. You know, I just stay focused on you know, this presser. You know, next I stay focused on, you know, lunch, you know, rehab meetings, you know, just moving through the day, just staying locked in and focused. I just have learned how to do that. When, when it's say, you know, that's just always very natural. I think, you know, all of us, right, we always have something that we're looking ahead um, for in life, but I've learned, you know, just staying focused in the moment and maximizing the, mo the moment. You just enjoy your day a little bit more, right? You enjoy the little things of the day. So uh, for me, you know, I just stay locked in on the moment, um, trust my preparation, as I've said. And, you know, I know things can play out however they're going to play out down the road. And um, some things I can tr control and some things I can't. The things I can control, I will. And those I can't, I won't. And um, I won't lose sleep on of them. I won't lose sleep on them, and you know I'll keep playing good football um, and keep moving forward. What are you learning and liking about your offensive line? Man, like they they play physical. That's what I really enjoy. You know, watching them right in the run game, um, set the tempo for the games. My favorite thing from last week was just watching how they finished the game. You know, um, as I said after the game, but then going back and being able to watch it on film, like four minute football, is some of the best football. I know as quarterback we obviously love throwing the ball around, but you know, when there's three minutes on the clock and the other team has three timeouts, and as an offense, you take pride in not giving their offense the ball back. You know, getting two first downs, ending the game in the victory formation. And in the NFL, that's hard. Like, they have really good players. They know what you're doing. Um, they're loading the box. We're loading the box. And it's just, you know, who wants it more? And to see our guys go and fight to end games, but also seeing the fight, the starting out games has been tremendous. They've been really good in the past game as well. They're they're really gelling together. They're communicating, they're playing at a high level, man. And that's what you love to see as a quarterback. Are you? Do you feel like you're are intentional about the the no interception thing right now? Is it just that things have worked out well because in this league things are going to happen, or do you do you feel like it's been very intentional that you haven't done it yet? I just try to take care of the football. You know, I try to go where my reach. Tell me, I'm, you know, I'm, 
as you guys probably seen, it's not like we're out there playing scared. You know, we're, we're letting it rip, right? And so, yeah, we're playing good football. Um, I understand, like, turnovers are part of the game, but my job as quarterback is to keep those as low as possible and none if possible. You know, we look, look back at our first game of the season, and we said if we just didn't turn over the ball twice, you know, we, that game outcome could have been a little bit different. And so each game, man, like the ball, the ball is so important. It holds your dreams, your goals, your aspirations of not only me, like as a player, but literally every single person, you know, in this organization. Like we take care of the football, you know. Um, the people make our lunch. They they keep their jobs, right? Like, like it goes a long ways to take care of the football. So it's very important, and we treat it as such. So what we practice, and then obviously the way we play, it's important. So me as quarterback, um, taking care of the ball, being smart. It, with my decision making, not being careless with the football is extremely important. And, and that just goes into my preparation, you know, being able to see the looks that the defense is going to give me, then, you know, guess the unscouted looks I'm going to see on a Sunday and, you know, have a place to go with the football quickly and decisively. Um, not only helps us take care of the football, but also helps us play good football and score a lot of points. Obviously, anytime you step on the field, you want to come away with a win. But why and how is it so important? to start off strong in division play? Uh, you know, you play these teams twice, you know, and anytime, like, I'll, I'll say this, like as a quarterback, right, when I'm studying film, you know, usually you watch some, you watch the teams that, if you're playing a team outside the division, you watch the teams that they play in the division because those are the teams that are playing them twice. And, you know, they're always playing their best foot forward against those teams in the division, right? It just means a little bit more. So now when you're playing an in-vision, uh, opponent, you know, you just want to set the tone. It's the first game of division play. It's on the road. Obviously, they have a great environment, great fan base, and a really good team. So we had to come out, start fast, and again, finish the game um, on the road. Because um, we got to see them twice this year, so we definitely have to set the tone. So we're excited about it. Continue your jersey saga. <laughs> Jonathan said that all that matters to him is that you have a jersey on game day. Yeah, same. I mean, Same. My, my, fan, my fan, they'll figure it out. You know, they, this fanatic's got six, six days shipping, but my jersey's there on Sunday, so we'll be okay. Oh, I, I, was, I was laughing. I, didn't, I mean, it was, it was fine. Um, but everything's been handled. You know, jerseys are in stock, and so excited to see that. Oh, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't really a, a clap back. You know, we're all on social media, man. And, uh, you know, I just be myself. Um, I like to, as you guys see, just, you know, be funny, like have fun with it. You know, don't take it too serious, you know, because at some point I got to play him again. Right. And so, um, yeah, I don't I don't take a lot of stuff too serious except for, you know, my play and um, how I prepare and who I am on the football field in life. But that's stuff on social media, man. It's just fun, you know, it's, it's good entertainment and, you know, we just have fun with it. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, her story is a little different than my alopecia story uh, with her obviously being a female and having alopecia starting this year. Uh, for me, I've had alopecia since the third grade and, um, I've always been an advocate for it just because I've seen not only the personal effects it's had on my life, um, but also like the effects that it's had on other lives that I've come in contact with. You know, alopecia is a very visual, uh, say disease, not really disease, but visual autoimmune um, issue that people have, that people can see. 
And so, you know, some people affect some when, you know, they're five, six years old. Some people affect some when they're 40, 50 years old. It all just depends on when it hits you. So for me, you know, I'm just a big advocate of being true to you, being who you are, being confident in your own skin, and understanding, like, there's things in life that are going to affect you that you can't control. And um, even though alopecia is something a little more visual than other things that people go through on a daily basis, you know, it doesn't affect who you are. It doesn't affect... Um, the success that you can have. It's just, you know, a part of your story. And so, you know, not to let it define you and not to let outside opinions and critiques and criticisms about something you can't control define your story, your journey, and, and what you can do in this world. So it's been tremendous to have the platform, um, not only here um, with the Arizona Cardinals, but also growing up in Tennessee, obviously playing football, you're a little more projected than playing quarterback, than playing at Tennessee, you know, you're, you, you get a lot of shine for sure. So you're in front of a lot of eyeballs. And so to be able to have the platform and be who I am has been tremendous um, just to meet the other people that have been affected by alopecia that, you know, go through it, you know, young girls that are five, six years old who, you know, are wearing wigs to school because their classmates don't know what alopecia is and um, is making fun of them. Or young boys who want, want, only feel comfortable wearing a hat to school just because no one knows what alopecia is and everyone's asking questions about losing hair. You know, that's the stuff that, you know, um, is tough. You know, just to, and being able to relate to those kids, seeing the confidence they're able to have when they see other people with it. You know, not just see someone who plays quarterback, right? But just see other people with alopecia who are comfortable in their skin, man. Like their confidence goes through the roof. So, I've been blessed, man, with this platform, and it's really cool uh, to be able to share my story to meet um, young, confident individuals like Ellie and like others out there who are rocking, you know, the baldy and and enjoying the life, saving some money with some on some haircuts. I like his outlook uh, there. Obviously, uh, if you hadn't seen it, there is a, uh, uh, I don't know if it's a honorary or an actual, I, I forgot, uh, but uh, cheerleader, what have you, for the Cardinals that have has the alopecia. And uh, obviously, uh, uh, Josh Dobbs is very passionate about it. He has it and, and whatnot, so... I, I kind of like uh, in, ending his uh, portion of, of the presser that way and, uh, you know, kind of bring awareness to it, but also, um, you know, reminding everybody that has it that, hey, life happens. You you uh, you grow and you move on, it, but it doesn't change, like, who you are. It just changes how you look a little bit, but just, you know, you can still be great. You can still be uh, who you're supposed to be. Um, Paris Johnson Jr. Um, spoke to the media in front of his locker. First win for Gannon. First win for a lot of people, including yourself. What, what was most gratifying about that Dallas win? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the fact that it's against an opponent that I think that a lot of people respect. You know, I think they have a, a good team, and I think for us to be able to have our the first win against an opponent like that, I think that just goes to show, you know, how no greater a team that we have, you know what I mean? Despite what other people may say outside the building, I think it just goes to show the, the resiliency and I think the toughness that, you know, exists in, within this team. 
you were looking forward to competing against that Dallas front, right? But to run for more than seven yards a carry, I mean, did that exceed even the Cardinals' expectations? I mean, I, I think it's I think it's one of those things where like it doesn't matter who you're going against. I think if you're having seven yards a carry, I think as a line you're having a good day. You know what I mean? And I think you're putting yourself in manageable situations and and those type of you know and the down the distance and third down. You know what I mean? We kind of have some more control. What have you seen out of Dobbs from game one to two to three, and how much upside is left in Josh Dobbs? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, honestly, like, um, you know, um, as soon as as soon as soon as he came here, I texted my friend Luke Whipler, who's at the Browns right now, and I asked him about Dobbs. I'm like, you know, how is he? You know, he's like, no, he's he's awesome. Like, you know, it's awesome that you guys have him. And you know, I don't really know too much about his game. He doesn't really show it in practice much. Um, well, this particular thing in practice much, but even in the first game, he sort of take off and run. I'm like, oh wow, he he can run. Like, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? He's not obviously not running around to practice. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think his ability just to run, the guy to space to extend plays. Um, I think his pocket presence. I think him being able to step up at the right times and be able to be comfortable with the tackles and be able to, to be able to stay in the pocket when it's time to stay in the pocket. I think all those things that you can't really feel in practice. He's not really getting ran down in practice. I think you know you, you start to learn that in game, and I think I, I mean I was I was amazed. I know for the first time he left the pocket and took off. I was like, oh no no no! Like, what are you what are you doing? What are you doing? I mean you know, but I didn't know he was running like twenty something miles an hour. I'm like, oh, you know what? Keep going, Josh. You know what I mean? You got it. <laughs> he had a faster miles per hour than Rondell Moore. I know when I saw it on the screen, I'm like, you know what? When he runs, you know, go ahead. You know what I mean? You got it. You know. I feel like, you know, he, he should have told me on the camera, hey, guys, you know, I run like 21 miles an hour. I've been like, all right, cool. But, um, but again, that's just how, you know, he's, he's a humble guy. He doesn't really talk about it. He just shows it. So for us, we're looking around like, all right, let's go, you know. <laughs> how about for you guys as a team, you know, to finally break through and get the win? Because you guys played well enough to win in the first two weeks, but finally all came together. Yeah, I think, again, it's just a finish that I think I'll be able to show. I think that was something that coming off the first two weeks was an important thing for us is that, again, we had strong first halves, but, you know, in, in the end, it's, again, at, you know, it's NFL. It's not like, now, again, that's for me, it's something I'm learning. It's not college football where you whoop up on somebody enough in the first half, you know, in the second half, they don't even care anymore. You're just going to run it up even more. It's not like that in the league, you know, regardless of the score. Um, so I think that's, I think that's just a... That's, that's, that's something that not only I learned, but I think, again, it was something for the team. It's just the, the finish is just as important, the mentality that when you go back out to score 0-0, zero, zero, that's the way you got to approach it, you know? Josh was asked about, you know, the, the 49er defense, and he kind of alluded to that you guys are already kind of battle-tested with the Washington defense and the Cowboys defense, and you guys, you know, kind of used to facing tough defenses already. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that. I was I was talking to someone on the phone yesterday, and I was like, you know, someone's asking the difference in college and NFL, and I'm like, I feel like, you know, when you're meant to play in the NFL, I guess you could say the transition to the NFL is not all that crazy. I think the difference is you're not going to have a, a Western Kentucky to fall back on. Or, you know, I have respect for Michigan State, but, you know, sometimes you'll be like, you know, play Michigan State's a big school, but, you know, specifically for the defensive line, you have nothing to worry about. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I feel like, you know, I told him, I was like, man, you go from playing, you know, Sweat to, to Thibodeau to, to Parsons and, and Lawrence. I'm like, it's kind of cool, like, you know, you're just going from guys to guys to guys. So I feel like, again, you know, you can't be as worried about who you're going against because you're always going to be going against a guy. Right. You know, we don't have Western Kentucky on the schedule There's this no year. On this you know <laughs> what I mean? So you're always going against a guy. So, again, you have to think about, again, yourself, your team, your unit, about how, how, how you can maximize yourself going each week. 
how you can improve on flaws that happened in the week before. Because again, at the end of the day, they also have to go against you too. You know, it can't be a mentality. We're going against him. He's going to be that guy. Like, you know, we also play in the NFL. So I think just that reminder too, you know? What do you think of that battle with Parsons and what do you expect from Bosa and the rest of the, the crew on their defensive line? Yeah, I mean, the mic is really athletic. You know, honestly, I wish I would have got a couple more reps against them, you know, um, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a high-flying game. It was fun. I know, um, you know, I wasn't at Ohio State with a Bosa at all, but, you know, I respect him as a pass rusher. He's another guy I've been looking forward to, 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 to going against. You know, I looked up to him as an Ohio State guy, you know, when I was in high school as, you know, that all-world guy. So, of course, for me, I'm, I'm excited for this, you know. So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a... He's a good player. He's strong. He's athletic, you know. And um, I think it's kind of nice that I wanted, you know, being able to learn a little bit about the Ohio State rushers from my time at Ohio State. With Coach Johnson, just watching the film and watching the tendencies. Uh, usually, a lot of the great rushers at Ohio State kind of have the same kind of tendencies. Not that it's like a whole bunch of shows and a whole bunch of tells, because that's that's the kind of the cool thing about being a Ohio State rusher. So you, you you can do a lot, but when I'm watching the tape, I'm okay. It kind of reminds me I was going against a practice. Kind of reminds me of the steps, the rhythm. So I'm kind of excited for that. You know? Just like an, a couple of alums getting together for a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. reunion in California, you know, <laughs> not much. <laughs> mm. All right, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball and uh, Cameron Thomas. Before the interception, you had a couple of key plays in the red zone there. I saw Gardak come up to you after the, everybody swarmed Kaiser, but then Gardak went, went up to you, right? I mean, how proud are you? were you of the, those two plays? Because those were critical, I bet, right? Um, yeah, during that moment, honestly, I was just so happy um, to see us, you know, play four quarters of football and get that win. Um, you know, honestly, uh, Dennis and just uh, Kaiser and just everybody in the entire defense, the energy has been so high, and um, it makes it really fun to play in, uh, with a defense like that. You know, all week the word was finish, right? So, so what was the formula? What was the key? How did you guys get it done? Uh, you know, I think we just stuck together as a team. Uh, you know, play uh, all three components of football um, to the, the you know final bell. So, you know, I think when we do that. We are a very strong team. Anything else that, as a defense, like that you think the identity is developing? Both the Giants and Cowboys said going into the, their games, they said, you know what? They're seeing a fast defense on film. What are you seeing out of this defense after three games? I'm seeing a defense that flies around, um, plays with their hair on fire, and just has fun. You know, and um, when when you have a D corner that uh, just keeps it really simple and lets you uh, play like that, you know, that, that that's usually what happens. So, uh, you know, I think Nick's done a great job, um, and I think this defense is just uh, taking what uh, he's given us and um, doing it to the best of our advantage. How, how did your role change, if any, when when Zayvon and you know, Chris, it seemed like a lot of guys were dropping in in-game. Did you have to move around a little bit or just kind of stay in the same uh, role? Uh, you know, roles, you know, the roles didn't really change too much. You know, um, you know, when he went down, you know, I just obviously uh, more so the number of plays for me picked up. But as far as, like, changing the scheme or anything, it really didn't change. 
Um, you know, we knew we had, what we had to do to go out there to win that game. Um, you know, I think everybody that dresses for those games knows, um, you know, if somebody goes down that they got to step up and be a crucial part for this team. Um, I, I think both offensively and defensively, you guys have shown a, a, an ability to kind of not be the same every week. You guys can kind of tailor the game plan to who you're playing maybe a little bit more than in the past here. Do you, do you see just kind of being multiple and being versatile as a, as a whole unit to be able to, uh, you know, adjust to whoever you may be playing? Yeah, you know, I think uh, just throughout the week, the focus has just been there. Um, you know, in the meeting rooms, on the field, um, you know, one thing we talk about in this team a lot is execution. And, you know, uh, with execution comes focus. And I think we've done a great job, um, you know, attacking the game plan they give us, um, you know, doing it with enthusiasm and showing on Sunday. You know, Nick Rollis said he studied Shanahan's scheme the last couple of years in the offseason, and JG called it, quote, the best offense in the world. What makes the Niners' offense challenging? You know what? I think that they, they play with very tight knit. You know, they they know exactly what they have to do to execute, um, and, and they do it. You know, uh, they like to use their uh, tight ends a lot of uh, ways. You know, George Kelly's a, a hell of a player, and I think they use him um, to with maximum potential for him. Uh, so you know, I think they just do a very good job knowing what they have to do and doing it. What makes Christian McCaffrey one of the better running backs in the league? Uh, you know, he just he, he runs hard. I'll, I'll say that he gets downhill and he runs hard. Um, you know, and I think that uh, his offensive line does a really good job. You know, allowing him to open those holes uh, to allow him to run downhill like that. So, you know, it's our job to uh, stop that. You know, they uh, they being the coaching staff and 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 uh, even some of the players have been saying, hey, uh, the game plan and how they look schematically is going to look different every week and uh they really have um and you know jg coming in said hey uh you know i, I don't really have a a scheme or or what have you uh but it, my scheme if i have one is we're gonna adapt you know he talked about adapting all the time and doing changing to do what they feel that they're good at doing and also what they feel like the uh, opponent brings. And the Cardinals have been doing that and they look, look pretty good doing it, I have to say. Um, last but not least, as it pertains to players speaking to the media, Roy Lopez, the new addition. What's it like? Does it feel like you're home? It does, man. It's awesome. Um Everybody's so welcoming. Welcoming, it's been amazing. Um, just humbled, appreciative, excited, um, grateful, and uh, it's crazy how things work out, man. So, was there a moment when you were putting on the Cardinals gear where it hit you? Uh, I think the moment I drove into the the facility, I was kind of like, man, this is crazy. You know, you see the the Cardinal logo your whole life, you know, and it's kind of. And even when I was playing, you know, you always check up on the hometown team and everything and keep up with the draft picks, how they're doing. And now I'm in the locker room walking around like, what's up, man? You know, trying to, you know, but it's uh, it's been awesome. I'm, I'm very grateful. How was your reaction from the family when you, you know, they found out or you told them? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, so I got the call and um, so I was like, okay. And I kind of took a second, right, to right. just breathe. And I was like, all right, I got to tell my parents, you know. So I called my parents and. 
you know, I was coming off a hamstring injury, so they were kind of, they were just being parents and making sure that I was okay and ready to go and how I felt. But um, after that, you know, they couldn't stop asking questions. You know, they were pumped. They couldn't wait to tell everybody they knew. So um, my mom sent me a picture this morning of a 98 Lopez jersey. You know, she can't wait to buy it and wear it and everything like that. So um, we're grateful, man. We're excited. We're appreciative. And, uh, did you ever pretend to be an Arizona Cardinal when you were a kid growing up? <laughs> I, I don't think I pretended to be a Cardinal, but I definitely had a, the Emma Smith jersey. I had a Larry Fitz jersey, um, the little you know the little kid ones. Um, so it was great. I went to a lot of Cardinals games growing up. Um, just it's a full circle moment that you know I don't take for granted, and I appreciate every and, second of it. And now you have a Lopez jersey. What goes through your mind when you think of that? Right, you don't even have to customize it. So <laughs> it's uh, it's been great, man. But the biggest thing for me, I've just been trying to learn my teammates' names, learn the playbook, um, one day at a time, and, and learn the scheme and everything, and, and do my part. You know, so. So this is your third year in the league, right? Yes, sir. And you have 29 starts already? Yes, sir. So how equipped do you feel if you're called upon I mean, during the game? How confident are you? You can really contribute. I feel great. You know, I've been blessed to be able to play the game early in my career. Um, you know, I don't – I was appreciative of Houston every single day, and I still am. Um, so that opportunity to play there was, was amazing. And uh, just being able to be around, be around the guys and, and, and play – in those games, you, you learn the flow of the game, learn the intensity of the game, and understand that every play, every snap, every series counts. And um, yeah, man, it's 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 uh, something that I won't take for granted, and I'll be ready. Guys talked about how easy it was to really pick up the playbook through training camp and everything. Obviously, a different situation, but have you noticed kind of the just getting all that information has it been easier than maybe your previous stop? I think it's just a matter of time of just you know taking the time to learn it, um, slowing everything down, and understanding that you know everything has a purpose and you know I'm appreciative of all the coaches all the players being patient with me and understand that I have a lot of questions you know so uh, I'm a guy that asks questions so um, I've been thankful for the way they've been you know dealing with me throughout this process as well so so are you looking forward to a home cooked meal like what, what what are you really looking forward to that mom makes uh, yes well Monday when I when I signed officially uh, went home and had some tacos so that was <laughs> that happened man so um, you know, she she tried to have another celebratory meal last night. I'm like, okay, like we're running out of. Right, I gotta start eating better now. But um, yeah, she uh, she literally texted yesterday like tacos, ensaladas, tostadas. What are you thinking? You know, and I'm like, mom, like I'm gonna have some chicken, some rice. Just let me let me be. You know, let me lock back in. But uh, it's been great, man. They're excited. They I don't even think they know what to do with themselves. You know, so they they're all looking forward to whenever I touch the field. So. Do you have any specific memories of the Colonels as a kid with the family or anything? Yes. And my dad, if he sees us, he's probably going to be so mad at me. Super Bowl, and they play the Steelers, of course, right? Everybody knows to play Larry Fitzgerald down the middle of the field, right? And uh, so my, my dad, my dad's a big dude, right? And uh, he, he has this, this, this lazy boy chair at the time, and we're sitting there watching the Super Bowl. We're locked in. We're going. Da, 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 we're cheering. Larry Fitz broke down the middle of the field, and uh, <laughs> it's the first time I've ever seen my dad catch air, right? Just jumped up. He was like both hands in the air. Ah, all right. And so I was just like, oh, man. So the fact that you asked that question is hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait till he sees that. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's probably my, uh, my biggest memory, for sure. Man, it's got to be interesting, uh, you know, he said he had the 
you know, little kid jerseys of Smith and Fitzgerald. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, well, uh, the uh, one of the questions asked to Jonathan Gannon from Bob McManaman, Bobby Mack uh, of the Arizona Republic was, uh, will they activate Kyler on Monday? <laughs> At which point they said, uh, he said, uh, we will activate Kyler when it's time to activate Kyler, basically. Uh, well, you know, that could be Monday. It could be, you know, whatever. Um, I, a week after Monday, um, or even later than that. But, uh, the, the question that, um, Dan and Vince talk about is should Kyler, you know, feel threatened by Josh Dobbs? Josh Dobbs has played pretty well. And a lot of times in the NFL, like they like to go with a hot hand. I don't think this is that situation, but you know, I've I've seen all kinds of things happen. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Josh Dobbs didn't mean to make the Cardinals look bad. In fact, he's doing everything he can to make them look good. But his video of him in the team shop unable to buy his own replica jersey was more Gannon fodder, more easy material for those who love to bash our football team. But personally, I think the video is great for the Cardinals because it's starting to show Dobbs' personality and he seems to be a really likable down-to-earth underdog who is fast-gaining fans and credibility in the Valley. I think it's great for the football team because it proves they know what they're doing and what they're looking for. The new regime showed great judgment in trading for Dobbs, a player who has been in the league since 2018 and toiling in obscurity, believing he was capable of coming in as a week one starter without any training camp. And guess what? They were right. It's working. Don't you think Jets fans Wish their team was that smart. And it's great for the football team because Kyler Murray has to feel a little bit threat threatened. Wouldn't you? Isn't that the human response when someone else is doing your job really well in your absence? And I think the presence of Dobbs is going to bring out the best in Murray, whose last backup was more like a mentor and no real threat to his job security. And the last time Murray had a threat to his position, losing his job at OU and Baker Mayfield returned to school he responded with a Heisman trophy and we all know in the end a little competition is never a bad thing all right today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable find them online at chapmanbmw.com yo Josh Alps here all right I'm in the team store for the Cardinals trying to get a jersey for my fans check this out so I walk over here to get a jersey made Boom, adult, then I go large, next. Then I go select from roster, okay? Next, and guess what? Your boy is nowhere to be found. You got all the numbers and no number nine. 
Like, yo, I know I just got here, but at least, come on, we can at least have the custom jersey ready for me. Help your boy out. <laughs> Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Now, within moments, it seems like he posted another video. Hey, guess what? They hooked your boy up yeah, and got, showed his new jersey. My jersey. Yeah, it didn't take the Cardinals long to get that baby off the presses, right? They pressed three buttons, and I'm in the system. And I'm in the system. I was right. told within three hours of him posting the video on Saturday, it was rectified. Yeah. Oh, that video's been up since Saturday? That's yeah. what, what I've heard, but for some reason it didn't go viral until Until he won a game? Yeah. Well. Wow. Now, are we sure he knew how to use the computer properly? Because he doesn't uh, seem like the type of guy who knows technology. <laughs> yeah, right. right yeah. Jared. Yeah. He's technologically challenged. Yeah. yeah. So astrophysicist. Yeah. So again, Josh Dobbs doesn't know the dysfunction that preceded him. I'm sure a lot of Cardinals people were like, oh, no, here we go. Get the fire extinguishers. We got we got more brush fires to put out, right? And and, and because this is the way it's been treated. I, if you look across the national websites, they're all mocking the Cardinals because this happened. This has nothing to do with the Cardinals. No, this, it, this is again, a team shop at, at the stadium. It was an oversight. It's an oversight. That's all it is. Things like that happen. I mean, the team shop people should be embarrassed. I, well, maybe. I, yeah. I, and I, it's not Jonathan. Honestly, I think it's hilarious that Josh Dobbs felt compelled to make this content on social media <laughs> uh-huh. because, again, it's him poking fun at himself and the situ- the absurdity of the situation. Yes. Thank you. I'm, Thank I'm you. I'm talking about yesterday. We were talking about one of the most pleasant surprises league-wide in the NFL has been this emergence of Josh Dobbs as a team leader, a pretty efficient quarterback, and for a team that just knocked off the vaunted Dallas Cowboys, thanks Mm -hmm. to what Josh Dobbs did in part. I think this is so refreshing. We went into football season. I know I did. I don't want to speak for you, but I think I might be. Mm -hmm. Football season comes around, and what we do for a living, you're like, oh, thank goodness. It's finally here. Football drives our business. We pointed this out a a million times. And then you have the flip side of that coin. You're like, but... It might be a really lean year. Mm-hmm. I was prepping for doom and gloom. And I don't know what the future holds, but Josh Dobbs, his play, his personality, all the, all the things around him yeah. have made this a lot more enjoyable than I thought it was going well, to be listen, at this point. And, and uh, yes, it's very, very weird for us in the industry. If you talk to football players, what he's done is unheard of. No quarterback joins a team that late and is just handed the starting job by default or just by inherent trust that Drew Petzing and Monty Austin Ford had in this guy. Those two guys, both those guys, look really, really good. It looks like they've got their eyes in the right place mm-hmm. in terms of when it comes to evaluating talent and what they're looking for. So the, so the success of Josh Dobbs, to me, is an organizational victory. It's not just a personal victory, which it most assuredly is. And you could hear some of that in our interview with Josh. He understands how rare and weird this whole thing has been. I mean, you're learning the names of dudes, and you're in a huddle with them in week one of an NFL season, and you're playing well. And he's gotten significantly better. So, again, I I, I, I love this. I think this is fantastic. Um, I love this kid's attitude. He seems like – he just seems like a really good dude who is – as Sarah said before, good luck finding a star quarterback who isn't just consumed with the disease of me by the time they get to the NFL. He Absolutely. Is so, he is so the right guy at the right time. Yeah. How much is he the right guy at the right time? You did phrase that like no. a joke. Uh, yeah, you did. Well, yeah, yeah, you did. Uh, no. Uh-huh. But I mean, there, it feels like 
at least to this point, and things can change. I'll, I'll acknowledge that. But a weight has been lifted, a heavy weight on this franchise where last year everything that could go wrong did go wrong, whether it was from injury or poor play or self-inflicted off-the-field crap that this organization dealt with. Mm-hmm. The weight has been lifted. Josh Dobbs is helping lift that weight. So, and well I've heard said. a lot of people say it too, Bick. We're not seeing Kyler Murray on the field, but we're seeing a different Kyler Murray in terms of personality. Engagement. Engagement. Yeah. Body language yes. on the sidelines. Yes. Smiles. Get, smiles. Uh, congratulatory post to Jonathan Gannon after his first win, calling him my guy. It's all working. Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah, I love the way you said that. That's exactly what it feels like. It feels like just it feels like fresh air. It feels like all that pollution is just yeah. been blown out of here. And it needed to be blown out of here. Yeah, no, I, I, me personally, I couldn't couldn't agree more at, uh, to what they said. I mean, um, Josh Jobs has been a breath of fresh air. Jonathan Gannon, you know what I've. Talked about him numerous times on the show. Just night and day difference. The staff, uh, all of it, has been been uh, pretty pretty interesting, but also uh, pretty great. Um, next, we'll go ahead and uh, get into some ASU and uh, um, Kenny Dillingham uh, press conference from uh, yesterday. That's up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. Coach Kenny Dillingham of ASU spoke to the media um, yesterday after practice and, uh, you know, uh, spoke for a couple minutes, not too long. Uh, This is uh, what he had to say. How's the practice week going? It was good. I mean, we're... We're not gonna. We're not able to get as many reps as we have the past two weeks, just because we're still banged up a little bit more. But it's part of it. So we will, uh, you know, a little bit more walk tempo, a little bit more jog through. But I thought the guys were locked in, and I just challenged the guys that if you can't get physical reps and you plan on playing Saturday because we have to get your body right, which is being smart, you have to go do uh, some extra stuff that we can't be a part of as a coaching staff. You got to do it on your own. We can't monitor. We can't ask you how to do it. You got to go do it. If you remember, it was not very long ago that when um, Kenny Dillingham was asked about, you know, why they, there wasn't a sense of urgency before the the half and in other instances already that they didn't uh, try to go score. And, he, you know, he said that um, if he felt like they tried to go score and, you know, another player went down, they wouldn't have any players to um, practice with. No scout team members. And that that's how um, depleted parts of this um, ASU team is, and that's also the reason why they're not able to practice as strong as they uh, did a couple weeks ago. It's built upon progress that they made, not in the game, but just overall. I think the focus level and they see a little bit of success. It's human nature when you taste success that you want more, right? So I definitely think they've built upon that. Now, you know, we're down significantly up front and with some positions. So 
we couldn't get the, the rep count that you want going into a game week. So, you know, we're going to be a little bit limited in terms of calls as opposed to normal weeks, uh, just because you can't play, practice, run things in games, you don't practice. Hi, BJ. We're going to go see the Golden Gate Bridge for BJ. Yeah. <laughs> on That's the him. screen. On the screen. How did he change your mind? He's the one that asked but, you about that. I thought you weren't going to take any time away from Yeah, the we're going to see it on the screen. <laughs> so, Good screen what, what does uh, Cal do that you're a little worried about when you have to? They are versatile. So they're a staff that's been there defensively for a long time. So in the same drive, they can be four down quarters. They can be four down thirds. They can bring field pop. They can be odd structured quarters, odd structured thirds. They can hop into bear. They can hop into bear shade. Most teams cannot run that arsenal of looks within the same drive right, let alone within the same game plan. And because these guys are so sound, uh, and I think their coaches does a phenomenal job defensively, and they've been there for a while, everything is in their arsenal, and they know exactly what their counter punches are. They know if they're getting this, they're gonna counter with this, and th they do a great job of not doing it, you know, at halftime. They counter punch mid-drive. So if you think you're gonna get them with something, and you're just going to keep rolling it out all drive, you're delusional. You've got to be ready for their counter. And I think that's the chess match of this week, is uh, he does a really good job, and they're very sound. They don't give up big plays, and they jab you. They're like Floyd Mayweather. Like jab, 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 never get touched. Don't give up the big hit, never get hit. Like, that's how they play defense. Yeah, no substitutions. So. It's a, it's a really good job by them being versatile. It's, it's why he's the head coach. Yeah, I do. I actually think their personnel has been upgraded from last year. Uh, a lot of those guys come back. They have their uh, linebacker, uh, the coach's son, Coach Sherman's son. Uh, he gets everybody aligned. And I think that's a big piece to why they can be so versatile within the fronts and their structures is they have the defense coordinator's son calling out the calls. So uh, they do a really, really nice job getting into a really good defensive call often. Uh, so that's just, I think that's their secret sauce. So much like Oklahoma State, uh, you're facing a team that is not settled on quarterback. What do you see there from their offense? Yeah, I mean, they're explosive when they throw the ball vertically down the field. That's their MO. They want to throw the ball vertically down the field. They want to attack vertically. They want to be a run play action football team. So I think their tempo is what we have to control. So when you play a team like this, it's if they get into a rhythm, that's when, like the drills we've done, where big play, you've got to sprint down the field and stop them. When they get into a rhythm is when they're at their best. So we got to stop early downs. we got to stop the first first down of a drive. we got to stop the rhythm of the, of the offense. And uh, if we stop the rhythm, if we keep them in second and longs, not second and mediums, we can throw them kind of out of what they like to be. All right, well, not a whole heck of a lot of uh, ASU, but, hey, th that's absolutely all right. Um, both the Cardinals and ASU were um, in the uh, San Francisco area, and uh, um, both uh, teams will continue to face uh, challenges. Um so yeah, that's kind of what's uh, what's going on via the, uh, 
the uh, ASU side of things. We'll go ahead and get into some uh, Phoenix Suns and um, a topic that uh, listeners of this show shouldn't be too thrown off about. Uh, That will be up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. From the NBA three-team deal, Blazers, Suns, and Bucks, the centerpiece, Damian Lillard going from Portland to Milwaukee. Dame said he wanted to be traded. He wanted to go to Miami. He's not going to Miami. He's going to the Milwaukee Bucks. Adrian Wojnarowski has given us all the details. He's going to join us live on SportsCenter momentarily to break it down. We've got all our insiders today as we get to that NBA news in a minute. In the meantime, we're going to check in on some injury updates in the NFL. Our senior Milwaukee, Woj, give us the details and all the players involved in this trade. Uh, Jay, blockbuster deal that lands the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Attentacupo, all-NBA guard Damon Lillard. It's a three-team trade uh, that brings Lillard to the Bucks. Portland got a tremendous haul back. Uh, including DeAndre Ayton uh, from the Phoenix Suns, uh, Drew Holiday from the Bucks, an unprotected uh, 2019 or 2029 Milwaukee first-round pick, and a couple of unprotected pick swaps. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, Keon Johnson, they go to a Suns uh, team uh, that was ready to move on from Ayton. They certainly saved some money with Nurkic, but a, a you know very good veteran center, but. I think for Portland now, they're going to look to move on Drew Holiday. He could be a free agent next year. You know, they are rebuilding with really a terrific group of young guards. And now this deal and the return for the Blazers, you know, you can't really fully constitute it until you see now what they can get for Drew Holiday, who's certainly a championship-level uh, point guard, multi-time all-star. And now for the Milwaukee Bucks, though, uh, this is an organization that made the Drew Holiday trade a few years ago to pair with Giannis Attentacupo, won a title. And now they may have very well have extended their window with Giannis by bringing in Damian Lillard, a player that Giannis uh, was determined to play with. And this was, I think, the relationships with Joe Cronin, the Portland GM, John Horst uh, in Milwaukee. Milwaukee stayed in this, trying to find a deal and trying to find the assets that would allow them to land Lillard and they do it. And so now uh, certainly Milwaukee makes itself a favorite uh, in the East, bringing in Lillard who has four years left on his deal, obviously asked for the trade uh, back in early July. He wanted the Miami Heat. I'm told that Portland and Miami never seriously engaged and got any real traction in talks. Uh, Portland did not love what Miami had to offer them and now they land in DeAndre Ayton, a young center who fits the timeline uh, with this very athletic Portland group they're putting together. And remember now, Damian Lillard, as he goes back to the Bucks, he'll be reunited with his former head coach in Portland, Terry Stotts, who is now uh, an assistant coach on new coach, Adrian Griffin's staff in Milwaukee. Well, that, that's a, a lot to digest. Uh, I wanna move off of Dame for a second and talk about Phoenix because uh, there was talk, you know, what they were going to do with uh, DeAndre Ayton. So with him gone, what does this do for the Suns? Well, this certainly allows them, uh, listen, they s- certainly saved some money moving on Ayton, bringing in Nurkic, who makes about half 
the money that Aiton did owed, I think, $54 million on the rest of his deal. Aiton was over $100 million. Uh, but certainly uh, that relationship had run its course in Phoenix. Uh, Aiton is certainly former number one overall pick, uh, certainly a very talented player. He fits in with that group in Portland. He fits in with their timeline of a young team. And now you look at Port, you look at Phoenix, they gather up more depth. Uh, Nasir Little, another wing player, uh, Grayson Allen, uh, uh, gives them certainly some shooting uh, from that guard spot. And, and Yusuf Nurkic, you know, who's been you know, a very good center in the NBA. Again, I think this certainly is a deal for the Suns you know, that further solidify them in the Western Conference. Well, when, I know sometimes these trades are pending physicals and whatnot. When, when will all this be official? Well, you're right. There's, certainly there are physicals. Uh, there's finalizing uh, of players showing up. I think getting this done ahead of the start of training camp is important for all these teams. They don't love to have this linger into camp, and you almost have to hit a reset button sometimes uh, when you get to the start of camp. So there was urgency to get this deal done, uh, but it was just completed uh, really in the last hour. And Damian Lillard headed to the Milwaukee Bucks. Has there been any reaction that you've heard from Dame? Uh, he was very, very public and very, very, I want to go to Miami, and he, that's not going to happen. Anything from yeah. him? Yeah, nothing yet, certainly. And listen, he and his camp are very vocal that they wanted the heat. That's how you have to play it. Uh, you've got to try to convince other teams uh, that you're, you're going to be an unhappy player uh, if he is traded there. But now that the deal is done uh, to the Bucks, the chance to play with Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, Damon Lillard has talked about wanting to play for a championship contender. He gets that now. He may be playing certainly with one of the best uh, one, two, three players in the NBA, maybe the best player in the NBA uh, in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, certainly, I think, uh, Milwaukee had a comfort level that once they got uh, Damian Lillard into their organization, into the fold, you know, that they'd be able to sell him on everything that awaits him there. But he's got four years left on his deal, Jay. And again, uh, this is a window now where he can not just win a championship. He has a chance to win multiple championships with this group in Milwaukee. Three-team blockbuster trade. Damian Lillard to Milwaukee, the centerpiece. Adrian Wojnarowski with the breaking news. Thank you, my friend. We appreciate you. Thank you, Jay. And we're going to continue chatting about this breaking news here on SportsCenter in the NBA with Damian Lillard now heading to Milwaukee to be part of the Bucks. Ramona Shelburne is going to join us in mere moments from L.A. Portland group they're putting together. And remember now, Damian Lillard, as he goes back to the Bucks, he'll be reunited with his former head coach in Portland, Terry Stotts, who is now uh, an assistant coach on new coach Adrian Griffin staff in Milwaukee. Well, that that's a, a lot to digest. Uh, All right. Um, obviously, the way it was cut is just uh, kind of repetitive. Um, here is uh, Burns and Gambo talking about the uh, the news itself. Better right now than they were four hours ago. It's a really difficult question to answer. Uh, if the fit is better, then yes. Did they get more depth? Yeah, I mean, you traded DeAndre Ayton and a rookie who probably wasn't going to play very much. You did get players in Grayson Allen and Little who could absolutely, you know, bust into that rotation and play. Is it, but he, Listen, here's the easiest way to say it. 
Aiden's a better player than Nurkic. He's younger, he's more athletic, he's got more upside and more potential, and I'll never say that he wasn't. I'll never say that he wasn't better. But I think this really comes down to fit, and if Nurkic is willing to do a lot of the things that Aiton wasn't and the fit's right, well, then you could. they could absolutely be better. They could absolutely be better if, you know, Nurkic is willing to do everything that the Suns need him to do that maybe DeAndre wasn't going to do. And just in case you have, and when I say you, I mean you out there listening right now. Thank you for listening. Uh, in case you are just tuning in or you don't know what we're talking about, I'm going to be doing this a lot today. Uh, Damian Lillard, uh, there was a big three-team trade today. The Milwaukee Bucks got Damian Lillard. The Blazers got Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, a bunch of picks. The Suns got Yusef Nurkic, Grayson Allen. Nasir Little, Keon Johnson, uh, and, and now you brought up something, and and this is just a quick aside here that I was not aware of. I had assumed this meant the Suns needed to make another roster move because they had too many dudes. No, they don't have too many dudes. They're fine. They, no. they, they they don't have to, and they this makes them an incredibly deep basketball team. But going back to the question, are the Suns better? There's there's no doubt the best player in the trade. Well, okay, the best player in the trade is Damian Lillard. Second best player in the trade. Okay, the, best, the second yeah. best player in the trade is Drew Holiday. Okay, but the best player going out from the Suns, DeAndre Ayton is better than anything they got coming back, okay, as an individual talent. He's just got more skill. He's got more tools in the tool belt. He's just a better, more skilled basketball player. Did they get better, though, becomes a very nuanced question because it's it's so cliche, and I, I know I brought this up on Friday, and a lot of people kind of got on me on social media. If you subscribe to addition by subtraction, if you believe Ooh. a basketball team can get better by getting rid of players who weren't buying in all and the you way. you know I'm a huge addition by subtraction if, guy. If you subscribe to addition by subtraction, mm -hmm. you can look at this trade and say, yes, you the can. Phoenix Suns just got better today. You can. If you think that's a crock then you'll look at this trade and go, no, the Suns did not just get better. They traded DeAndre Ayton for Yusef Nurkic and, 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 and others. I don't want to just make it about him. And I think a lot of your ability to say, as a fan, I think the Suns won the trade today or got better today is based off of your simple acceptance of that theory. Addition by subtraction, yeah. do you believe it or do you not? The fans that have soured on D.A. over the years, he doesn't hustle, he doesn't give everything he has, he doesn't have the heart, he doesn't have the passion to play the game. Every one of them is going to look at this and in some way say the Suns are better, okay? Because Nurkic is a smart basketball player. He does a lot of things well. He could score. Does a lot of things well. He's a very good passer. He's got great hands. Good, very, very good passer. Very good hands. Very tough. Maybe tough. not physically, athletically gifted, but very, big, very tough out there. Big. Around the basket, he's a big body. He's take a box guys out. He's tough to get around. Yep. And he rebounds the basketball at a pretty good rate. So if you've soured on D.A., if you're one of those people that didn't, just never believed that D.A. was ever going to live up to the expectations, that he was always going to be a guy that was never going to give you his all, that was always going to, you know, sour on everything and, and just not fit in. And I think you look at this trade and you say, okay, this is a good trade. You got a, you got a serviceable big man in Nurkic. You got another two wing players, which, you know, and one of them could shoot the hell out of, th out of the ball from three. Another one's good defensively and works hard. I think you could like that. Now, if you were an Aiton fan, if you were a believer that what he did in the you know for the Bahamas, he was about to turn the corner, yep. you're not going to like this trade. Also, if you were a fan of seeing what Frank Vogel could bring out in DeAndre mm -hmm. Aiton, you're not going to like this trade. And and, and so I'll, I'll 
cop it to you, and I'll cop it to everybody out there listening. That, that, look, there is there is part of me that wanted to see if Frank Vogel had the key. You know, if if Frank Vogel could pick the lock. You know, because Monty couldn't. Monty couldn't pick the lock. Devin no. couldn't. Devin couldn't pick the lock. Nobody could pick the lock for for. Two glorious months in the summer of 2021 when the Suns were two wins away from winning a championship, the lock was picked, and DeAndre Ayton was exposed out there for the world to see, and he was playing his butt off. He was, it, was, it was exhilarating to watch him play for those two months. Since then, nobody's been able to solve the riddle. And I was, I'll admit it, I wanted Frank Vogel to kind of have a shot at it, take a swing. See if you can see if you can hit the pitch. Yeah. Have an at bat or two. Let's see if you can change it. I'll always wonder, Gambo, always what Frank Vogel could have done with DeAndre Ayton we'll and never whether know. it would have worked or not. Always. We'll never know. Well, I what I do know this is I do know that in the in the playoff bubble, the playoff bubble, Frank Vogel switched on Jurkic every chance he got when the Lakers played them in the playoffs. <laughs> When they played him in the playoff bubble, anybody wants to go back to the bubble and look at that series, Frank Vogel, they went after Nurkic. Mm-hmm. They went a- and I'll, if we get Vogel on the show, I'm going to ask him about that. Like, you guys in the bubble, you attacked him. You switched on him. DeAndre Ayton punishes teams that switch because he's good at it. Nurk- Nurkic doesn't. So you, Frank Vogel, when they played Portland a couple of years ago in the bubble— Every opportunity they got to switch on Nurkic, they did. Yeah. They did. But then the other side of that coin is, and to your point specifically, how this helps the Suns in the summer when they're making a run to the NBA Finals. Now, that's in some ways, that's almost a different conversation because I think in those games in a series like that, Nurkic might get a little bit exposed, and and he might become a little bit of a liability, and you might not be able to play him as much as you can during the regular season because because it comes so matchup centric in moments like that. I do also think I'm gonna go back to something I said on Friday when we were doing the show, and I really do believe this. I, I think this also speaks a little bit to how the Suns internally might view Drew Eubank and, and what he's able to do because it basically just acquired Portland's two top centers from a they year were the ago. They were two centers, yeah. And if they like Eubank enough that they feel like they can live with the weaknesses of Nurkic and, and tolerate the weaknesses of Nurkic because they've got Eubank, well, that that speaks to how they feel about him too, you know? I also think that they could look at a lot of small ball with this lineup. Oh, yeah. With Durant at the five. And because then you can get – you could go Durant at the five – you could go Booker, Beal, and then you could go like Gordon or Watanabe. You could go Bates, Diap, and Grayson Allen. Like you could really spread the floor with shooters if you go small ball. So I think they'll take. They'll try to take advantage of that. The 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 other part of the did the Suns just get better conversation is is and I'm going to play this cut from uh, this is Frank Vogel, and he was on SiriusXM Radio. This is from over the summer. All right, this will sound familiar to a lot of fans. Uh, Frank Vogel, head coach of the Suns, was talking about his great relationship that he was off to with DeAndre. You know, I'm off to a great start with him from a relationship standpoint in terms of um, understanding that 
you know, if we want him to defend and rebound at an all-star level, you know, then we're going to have to involve him a little bit more in the offense, you know, and that's just basketball one-on-one from, you know, you learn that as a, as a youngster, you know, you got to yeah. give those big guys the ball sometimes. And when they, when they get it, then they'll run through a wall for you on the, on the other end. So uh, I feel like we're off to a, to a great start with that. And he's going to be a big part of what we do. So basically they were going to bribe DeAndre Ayton with shots <laughs> to get him to do what they wanted yeah. him to do. It, it's, it's very easy to not like that, right? It's very easy to hear that soundbite and go, you shouldn't have to bribe DeAndre Ayton with shots. You shouldn't have to feed him offensively and mess up what you're trying to do to get him to buy in. Buy How in. could you have any pudding if you don't eat your <laughs> dinner? Exactly, right? Like, you want pudding? You want pudding? It's like, hey, I'll, you know, finish those last few bites of peas and you can have some ice cream. Mm. No, eat your peas, you know? Eat your vegetables because they're good for you and we're trying to win a championship here. And I don't care about your shot. And so that alone kind of speaks to this how is he going to fit and how is it going to work and we're not even getting into Devin Booker's level of tolerance for DeAndre Ayton any longer Kevin Durant's level of tolerance for you DeAndre Ayton. You have to Ayton. wonder if that played a factor. Have to. Have to. Have to. I mean you, you have to. I, 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 I've got to think it played a major factor in all of it and again it circles back to addition by subtraction did you get better because you subtracted a player who would have wanted a bunch of shots who might not have given you all that he's got to give now Nurkic well is he going to give you all he's got to give we'll, we'll see I, I've seen have you seen his social media feed have you seen what he's tweeted out DeAndre Ayton no no I'm blocked on De- De- no, did DeAndre no. Ayton change his avatar or something I have no I'm talking Somebody about Nur- said that he did I'm talking about Nurkic oh Nurkic Nurkic nah. Nurkic tweeted out a picture of Suns in four guy and he's like can't wait let's go Ha! The base of the Sutton Fork. I can't wait to start with my new home. Oh, man. Hopefully, he's going to run through a brick wall. Hopefully, he doesn't have to be bribed with shots to do it. I don't think he does. And hopefully, the Suns locker room is now, they're all rowing in the same direction. And you could fairly wonder that with DeAndre Ayton, whether they truly were or not. That's a good way to put it. You know? They'll probably all be rolling in the right direction. You don't have to worry about the A anymore. All very interesting, all very true points made. I I don't know if I could add anything to that. However, I will say this. If you would like to add anything to it, I would love to talk to you about it. You can shoot me an email, bigskysportstalk at gmail.com. Uh, shoot me a direct message on Instagram and Facebook, TikTok even. Um, all of that, uh, you can find me. Just type in Big Sky Sports Talk, at Big Sky Sports Talk, if, if that's easier. I'd love to uh, converse with you on, on anything in the show, not just the uh, Suns, DeAndre Ayton uh, trade, but any of it, any of the Cardinal stuff, any of the Diamondbacks, uh, uh, ASU, whatever um, is on your mind, I'd like to uh, talk to you about it. Big Sky Sports Talk at gmail.com and then at Big Sky Sports Talk for Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Uh, plenty of places to uh, uh, listen to the show uh, Spotify, Google, Apple, Audible, iHeartRadio, Amazon. Just to name a few, 
um, hit that that uh, subscribe button, hit that bell notification so you get notified when a show goes out. That way you're not missing out. Um, please, please uh, share it. Share it with your friends, your family, your neighbors, your enemies. Get the uh, word out about the show. Like, follow, comment, share, subscribe. All of those good things that everybody talks about, I would like uh, uh, you guys to do as well. I always appreciate you guys listening, um, and uh, um, hopefully you have a, a good Thursday. Uh, Friday goes well for you. You have the weekend coming on up. I, um, I'm uh, hoping that all of that goes well for me as well. Um, until, um, Lord willing, tomorrow, if not, uh, I'll record Friday for a Saturday show. I appreciate you guys uh, um, listening, and, and hopefully we're talking about another D-backs sweep. Thanks.